Do you ever get confused during offering time? You know, does it ever seem like perhaps, you know, why are we exactly doing this? Well, we're going to kind of look at that a little bit today on Truth Tuesday. So I don't know if you're familiar with the story of A Christmas Carol. Hey, I know it's July, but why not? Let's talk about a little bit of Christmas stuff today. You see, I love the story of A Christmas Carol. Of course, this was written by Charles Dickens in the middle of the 1800s, and he was really doing a number of things with this story, including like addressing some of the social issues of his day, child labor, that sort of thing, you know, worker exploitation and poverty. But underlying that wonderful story of Ebenezer Scrooge, who goes through this transformative experience, which takes him from being a wealth hoarding miser to a generous community centered giver really is the is the foundational principle of what we used to call Christian charity. It's a beautiful word, Christian charity. And it is the underlying theme and motivation for Dickens' story of A Christmas Carol. And so today, I, I got this, this thought recently because at church oftentimes, you know, we always have a section of the service where we talk about offering, but things have changed a little bit. You know, we don't pass plates down the aisle anymore. We have different ways to give. And today in this Truth Tuesday, I don't necessarily want to talk about money as much as I want to just briefly touch on what is behind the motivation that causes us to give. Let's, let's look at Scrooge for just a second. Consider his story. If you remember the story of A Christmas Carol, and if you don't know it, I encourage you to go out, get the book, and read the book. It, it's had an immense impact on me. But basically, throughout this story, we start out with Ebenezer Scrooge, who is a wealth hoarder. He is a miser, where his entire world revolves around acquisition, revolves around getting more getting wealth, stockpiling his wealth, but he is so blocked as a person that he doesn't even enjoy the wealth that he has acquired. The book describes that he basically lives this very meager lifestyle and not out of humility, out of being a miser and a hoarder. He doesn't even eat well, and he treats everyone around him with extreme contempt because of who he is in his social standing and because all he values is possessions. He then goes through this process where he meets with these three entities that show him things from his life, that show him things that really matter, that shows him what could have been and then shows him what will be if things don't change. And throughout this process... He comes to a place where he completely transforms and instead of hoarding his wealth, he begins to channel it outward and begins to bless the lives of other people and becomes known as this wonderful, generous character. It is an absolutely beautiful thing. So what do we have to do with Ebenezer Scrooge, right? Like, how does that apply to us? Well, let's think about ourselves for a second. I'm not saying we're all a bunch of wealth hoarding misers, you know, but in our culture today, is it not celebrated that we acquire as much as possible? Let's, let's face it. It's just kind of a part of our day to day. You know, we, we, we tend to value the things that we have, which is nothing wrong with that. And oftentimes we do enjoy the blessings that we have, which there's nothing wrong with that either. But there is an underlying premise here 
Now, we love to talk about love. Love is the greatest thing. What did Jesus say? The greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Let's go a little bit deeper today, though, into this concept of love. And I want to start by reading you from the New Living Translation, one of the primary verses that we oftentimes go through when we're talking about love. This comes from 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, oftentimes referred to as the love chapter. Paul is writing here to the Corinthian church, and he ends this section with these words. This is from the New Living Translation. He writes, three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. Love is, as I've heard it said before, the supreme ethic, the top thing, the most important characteristic that we can have. But you know what? It's interesting because it goes even deeper than this. You see, if we look at the original language and we look at what Paul is saying here, he wrote this originally in Greek. This is not This is not an English text originally. He wrote this in Greek. And the word that he uses for love here, because Greek has multiple words for love, the word that he uses here is the word agape. Agape is a word that describes a specific kind of love, which is the kind of love that God has for us. Agape love is the love that God has for humanity, the love that says, I am going to love you with no expectation of return. I am going to love you as a father loves a child. And not all of us are parents, but I can tell you from personal experience, when it comes to a fatherly love, the love that I have for my children, it is an unbreakable love. There is nothing that could get between me and my kids, even if they were to say, reject me or something horrible or extreme were to happen. I am going to love my children and God's love for us is infinitely greater than the love that I could ever have for my children because he is God and he is perfect. That is the love that Paul is describing here, not just a generalized sense of love and affection, but a strong, consistent, unending, unbreakable love that expects nothing in return. It's a very specific kind of love. And with that in mind, I want us to do something because this, what I'm about to share with you came to me as a result of reading the Christmas Carol for the first time and doing a little bit more study in this section. I want us to look for a moment at a place we don't oftentimes look, the King James translation of the Bible, the King James translation, of course, being the first English translation of the Bible, not the first translation of the Bible, the first English translation translation of the Bible. And I want us to see the language that was used there. Let's look at that. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. This is how it reads in the old King James. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. That blows my socks off. 
That absolutely floors me that the word used here is a word that we don't even use oftentimes in our language, the word charity. The only thing I can really think of where we use that word is when we're talking about tax season and our charitable contributions or our charitable giving. It's not something that we use regularly, but the descriptive nature of this word paints for those of us who speak English a very vivid picture. Charity is a form of love, but what is it? It is a form of giving love. It is not necessarily a reciprocal love. It is a love that gives despite whether or not there will be anything in return. And I think that this absolutely nails this on the head. You see, the love that God has for us is just like that. He has sent Christ. Christ has sacrificed himself on the cross for us. God has given us the hope of eternity, but he does this with us at the same time, having the free will to choose something else. And yet God is constant and still shows this kind of love. When we come to that time where we, where we talk about offering, or even just as we look at how we serve the church, serve the body of Christ, and serve God directly, I believe this is the love that we are called to have. The greatest thing that Paul says here, faith, hope, and charity, the greatest is charity. It is how we give. I remember growing up, thinking about Christmas time, right? I remember growing up and we, and I always heard the phrase, it is better to give than to receive. And I think that really is a timeless truth. It is better to give than to receive. And right here, we see a perfect example of that because God gave his son to us. And so when we come to that offering time, when we look at our service to the church and to God, I would just hope that Seeing this in the scripture would just ignite in us this both desire and appreciation to be, to have a spirit of true charity, because it's not about what we're going to get out of it. That's not what God has modeled to us in sending Christ. It is about what we can give. I hope this lifts you up today and go and Do some charity for somebody around you today and have a great Tuesday.